Welcome, fans of the Justice League universe. My name is Sam. My name is Nick. And we are two members of the JLU podcast team who enjoy analyzing the DC films from Warner Brothers Studios. Other contributors to this episode are Alessandro, Rebecca, and Sydney. You can find us individually on Twitter, and you can follow the show at JLU Podcast. In this episode, we are covering scene 10 of Justice League, which is the uh, big scene here where Steppenwolf arrives on Themyscira and ends up taking the mother box from the Amazons. So one of the kind of, you know, central action pieces, definitely for act one of the film. Um, So first of all, let's just talk about overall what this scene does for the plot, for the movie on the whole. Like I said, it's, it's a big action piece and it really inserts some action into this kind of first sequence of the movie. Um, And Alessandro said just overall it's a pretty great scene. He said he really likes the action. I agree with him on that. Alessandro points out that there is some editing uh, that seems like it has removed some stuff from the scene, but we'll kind of focus on what we do have here in the scene rather than thinking too much about, you know, what might have been taken out. But it really infuses some some action here back on Themyscira. Yeah, two hours, zero minutes, one second. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I remember your your mantra here with this movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I love the action in that scene too. It, it's fantastic. The whole uh, game of keep away with uh, Steppenwolf. Yeah, it, it gives a memorable kind of uh, flavor to the action because I it is love the, the Amazon away. smashing the logs. That's like that's one of the best visuals in the movie. Like, ah! <laughs> it's just so cool. <laughs> Yeah, and it's also, I love it when action is tied to the setting, and that one is one. Like, oh, you're you're in this temple on Themyscira, and you have these Amazons, so we're going to have them, like, bust the pillars out, you know, to let these stone walls down. So it's a an action move that is very much set in its place. Yeah, it really, it helps uh, give the Amazons character, too. You know, you got, yeah, like the strong Amazons. Their only job is to destroy the logs. <laughs> Um, another big thing for the scene, obviously, is it's the introduction of Steppenwolf. So he gets his entry, and we get to see a little bit of what he's capable of, a little bit of his attitude, that sort of thing. So we'll talk about more of the details later. Um, but, I mean, this is the scene where it puts Steppenwolf into the movie. So, like, what was your first reaction to seeing Steppenwolf here as he arrives? I liked it. Kyrian Hines, just, he's doing a really good job in this scene. I think he does, he does a good job of Steppenwolf throughout the movie. Very threatening, very, uh, very Kyrian Hines. Yeah, I agree. His voice is good. He has a lot of confidence. Like uh, when he arrives, he sort of just comes in as like, hey, I own the place. I'm going to take care of this. You know, he doesn't have any fear of all the Amazons who are seem to be prepared for him. He doesn't care. He's you know not worried about it. So he, he brings some attitude to personality um, right in this first scene, which I think is good. And I think he makes a good first impression um, to me, like his landing out of the boom tube, which we'll talk about, um, and then you know some of the the fighting that he does out in the open. Um, to me, is a pretty strong uh, entry to the villain. Um, we might talk later about some of the stuff of where the villain goes or could have gone, because it it didn't end up having as much depth as I had hoped. Um, Kieran Hines had mentioned in an interview before the movie about the dynamics between Darkseid and his nephew and then, you know, uncle and trying to get out from under Darkseid's thumb. And, you know, he is the the bad guy here, but he's also kind of oppressed by Darkseid, uh, Steppenwolf is. So that depth seems like it didn't actually show up in the movie. So I was kind of disappointed in that. But this scene, I was not disappointed in. I think it's a pretty compelling sort of uh, entry into the movie. He also mentions a few things in his dialogue that I don't think are followed through. But I didn't know that the first time I'm watching it. So it's like when you see him first arriving, you assume when he brings up stuff 
like you one day you will love me you'll all love me like when you're watching the movie you assume that's going to somehow lead to something later and i don't think it really does i mean there's the implication of like the uh anti-life equation but outside of that yeah there's nothing like actually in the movie about that which is kind of a bummer yeah so that's kind of a critique for me that's a critique of later parts of the movie it's not really a critique of this scene uh, the other thing for this scene is uh, just the fact that we're back on Themyscira. We have the Amazons, um, so it connects us to the Wonder Woman film. That was the previous film to come out before this one. And uh, it also does set up a part of the movie later when we see the history lesson. We find out that the Amazons, they have faced Steppenwolf before. Um, so you know, seeing the Amazons preparing for him and knowing his name when he arrives and stuff, uh, it's cool to get the Amazons in the mix here. But again... It's not like the Amazons actually play a role in the plot later in the movie. They only will show up later through a flashback, you know, history lesson. Yeah, that's just one of that's another one of those things where I wonder what the payoff on that was going to be. It's fine. At least we have this scene. Yeah, and I think uh it's it is interesting to think about, you know, in the past there was the unity of Amazons, Atlanteans and humans to stop Steppenwolf. And this time, it, the pa- the torch is passed to the Justice League. The Justice League will have to get together to stop Steppenwolf. So uh, maybe it makes sense that we see the Amazons here, but we do not see them at all involved later. And maybe that's because it's a passing of the torch. It's the Justice League that is, is taking over as the new Age of Heroes. I mean, that really fits with the scene itself. I You know, for me, they're in the movie as uh, as the movie's sort of example of the sacrifice of, uh, you know, just a, kind of the average person, which happens a lot in these movies. You know, in uh, Man of Steel, it's the Rangers, and in Suicide Squad, it's the Seals. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, f- a few episodes ago on Wonder Woman, Steve Trevor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's uh, the heroism of the normal man in the face of impossible odds, even at the risk of death. I mean, that's very heroic, too. In a movie about Superman... Uh, or Wonder Woman, somebody giving their life to protect their fellow man, even though they don't have uh, superpowers and stuff. I, I love that about these movies, and uh, I like that this is the scene that does it in Justice League. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very noble, heroic kind of scene for the Amazons. That They're very selfless. They're just trying to protect the world, really, um, and they know the danger of Steppenwolf, and they're very selfless in doing that. So, yeah, it's a good continuation of the Amazons, in this universe, you know, um, seeing them in Wonder Woman and now seeing them here and very consistent in in that regard. Let's go into some of the details of the scene. So um, we just came off of uh, recently Cyborg saying, you know, people are worried about the next alien invasion. And that's a good setup for this because now we have the arrival of Steppenwolf uh, for the next alien invasion. So that's (laughs) kind of a good setup and payoff in in terms of scene-to-scene transitions. Um, There's a little bit of Howard in the middle there, um, which interrupts it a little bit. But there's still, I think, the connective tissue of Cyborg kind of setting up Steppenwolf's arrival. Um, So I think that's nice. And then we have the approach to, you know, seeing the the island that's cloaked with invisibility. So we have this flyover shot with the clouds and then the island appears. I love that shot. And then kind of approaching the greenery and then up to the temple. I also love the shot. So I I talked to my wife about this, like when we saw it opening in theaters, she thought this flyover shot looked kind of fake. And I was just sort of like, I think it's a beautiful shot, but yes, it is animated. 
Um, but to me, it's like a beautiful animated shot. And she would maybe just focus on the animated part of it and sort of like just noticing that, well, that couldn't have been real the way that the camera's moving and that, you know. Well, I mean, now that you mention it, I guess you can't have, I guess uh, Seppenwolf isn't a real guy. It must be a computer rendering. That really ruins the movie for me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I th- we were just kind of talking about uh, the aesthetics of the shot. And so for her, because it wasn't real, that reduced the aesthetics of it. For me, you can have something that's very visually beautiful, even if it is a- animated, computer-generated. And so for me, yeah, I would say this is beautiful, and it is computer-generated. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, sometimes the only way to accomplish a shot, you can't do it practically. Uh, no, I, I love that shot. The the island, uh, like you, you see how it because it, it shows you very clearly something you don't actually see in Wonder Woman, which is what is really concealing the island. You know, to actually kind of pass through that veil and see it as like empty ocean, and then you see the rocks, and then the island itself appears. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a pretty cool establishing shot, and it and it kind of answers a, like a, maybe a latent question that you had from Wonder Woman. Like, uh, what does it look like if you, well, what did it look like to Steve Trevor as he flew into it? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, uh, no, I, I, I love that shot. Yeah. yeah. I don't care. Yeah. And I like it too, that it, as we come across the island, we see the kind of, you know, the city, um, of Themyscira where we spent a lot of time in the Wonder Woman film, but we pass right by that and we continue to the backside of the island. And then we see this kind of interesting stone temple kind of thing. So I like it that they show us a place that we know and then they say, but we're going to actually go to another part of the island that you haven't seen yet. And we're going to, you know, that's where the mother box is going to be. Yeah. So I kind of like that. They're taking us to another corner of the island. Yeah, kind of like where the uh, the God Killer was being kept. Well, this is like its own little uh, special fortress, really. Mm-hmm. Um, the next shot is uh, straight down. It's like a downward vertical shot of the the waves and the water hitting like a cliff of rocks. And then it, the camera kind of turns up. Um, onto the you know the surface of the island so that was uh, that kind of shot I noticed uh, multiple times in the film Um, it happened in scene two with Gotham like starting down Gotham and then coming up to the pigeons I think it was and it happens later at Silas's apartment like starting down his apartment I think it was and then in I think I'm remembering those right, but I know there's like three of these shots that start with the camera pointed down vertically, which is not. A yeah, com- I was, it's I not was a trying to find another example of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think those are the other two. Uh, there might even be a third one. I can't remember. Or a, an additional Yeah, I was, one. I was trying to find like a, a, well, I was trying to find a third one. I didn't see the cyborg one. Yeah. I think it's when um, Silas Stone is going to be abducted. I think they start with like a vertical shot down his apartment and then he comes into his apartment and then the parademon is there to like capture him. Oh, I think you're right. Yeah. So for me, um, one thing is to notice the visual motif. And then the next thing is like, does it mean anything here? I think it's, it's supposed to represent this kind of like barrier of Themyscira. Like it is walled off from the world. Uh, and it's part of this kind of like protective force of where this mother box is kept and a vertical shot looking down like that really emphasizes the cliff and like the wall and how kind of hard it is to reach this place. Yeah. Um, so then we go to the temple. So uh, let's go ahead and get in there. The Amazons have noticed that uh, something's going on. So Hippolyta is coming to check it out um, with her team of Amazons, but there's already a bunch of Amazons inside. So that clearly indicates that they've noticed something going on with this mother box and they're keeping a very close eye and a taut bow on it. Yeah. They, I mean, they say as such, uh, 
Yeah, I like that sort of readiness. Like, like they've all just been standing like that for hours, you know, <laughs> taking shifts for days now. <laughs> I think it, it's kind of funny that they have their bows already drawn. Like, exactly, yeah. It's not like they fire their bows the instant that the, you know, light starts to split through the box. So it's not like they needed the actual quarter of a second that it would have taken to draw the bow but well they don't know that and they're not ready to they're not willing to risk it so you got to admire a lot about the amazons that's one of one of those things i guess so and they uh, it does make it like more of a it rises the tension for the scene like whoa they're like really ready for anything this must be dangerous really uh <laughs> one of the things i noticed about this scene like as people who are you know, trying to face unstoppable odds, they really are the most successful. I mean, aside from maybe the, well, I mean, I mean, Steve Trevor and the Marines and Suicide Squad or the SEALs and Suicide Squad, they really pack a punch. But uh, the Amazons here, like, they're pretty badass. Like, they're just using horses and ropes. And they actually do a pretty good job of keeping the mother box away. Yeah. I, I love the lassos in this scene, by the way. Like, uh, mm-hmm. like oh, that's uh, that's why Wonder Woman is just so good with a rope. Like, they just, they're just always lassoing stuff. <laughs> yeah, and you're right. They do pretty well with uh, what they have to work with. So... When we see the mother box here, uh, at this point, we don't know the full story of it yet, but we, we know that these are important. Uh, that's been made clear already. And this one has kind of the reddish, you know, covering the box that contains the mother box. Yeah. Uh, I like how they designed each of them kind of, you know, uniquely uh, for the Amazons, for the Atlanteans, and for the humans. Yeah, they, it's, it reminds me of a, well, actually, yeah, it makes me think of Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. the, uh, the three elvish rings. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this definitely gives that sort of feel. And the, the history behind the mother box is the fact that it's such a long history, like thousands of years ago and stuff. Oh, yeah, and they refer to it, they even refer to it as like the first age and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, and they say, I think something like it's been dormant for 5,000 years or whatever. Um, I think we'll get to that in just a second. Um, I did want to call out the uh, Amazons that we actually know from uh, the Wonder Woman film. So, Hippolyta, obviously. Um, but Manilope is also there off to the side, and Philippus is in the back and um i really notice philippus now because Anna bomo plays that character and uh she is really good in krypton i don't know if you've watched the first season of krypton no i haven't uh yeah um i think sydney said she was in krypton i really like it and and she is she's pretty potent in that show <laughs> i bet she seems like a good actress yeah so that's cool to see them uh and then later i think there'll be um another recognizable one uh, vanilia who's the blonde one that will uh, meet an unfortunate end i think later so it's cool to have like some recognizable amazons not just generic amazons but yeah, yeah. you know we have the full team of amazons but also some that oh we know her we know her yeah exactly yeah some nice continuity um so hippolyta comes in and says any changes today so yeah they've been watching this for a while and hippolyta is kind of checking in on it on a daily basis maybe something like that and they say yeah the mother box has awoken but nothing's happened but Apollo is sort of like, yeah, but why did it awake at all? Like, this is still not a good sign, even though even though it hasn't happened yet. Uh, it will in just a moment. I think it's good, too, just to raise the questions for the audience. Like, uh, what is the full story of these mother boxes? You know, like, if you're seeing this movie for the first time, it's just raising questions in your I mind. Do wish, I do wish we had gotten more of that. Yeah, I think, you mean in the history lesson specifically, like, could have been twice as long or something? I don't know, anywhere in the movie. Yeah, I think it does raise questions for the audience which is always a good tactic um and it answers them but it kind of just answers them in a very straightforward way it maybe could have been a more robust sort of exploration of the history 
I would have liked to see that. Um, uh, somebody said that there may or may not be a deleted scene where one of the mother boxes gives Victor a vision, and it's kind of the uh, it's yeah. the nightmare world. Yeah, I, I wish we had gotten that scene. I mean, if that's in the script or whatever, I would have liked to have seen that. That would have been another little um, example of what the boxes can do. But as it is, you know, it really is left pretty vague. I mean, I the anti-life equation is implied and transformation is implied. I guess it, while you see that the, the Earth basically becomes another apocalyptic planet with fire pits and everything. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, how does that happen? That's, that's what I want to know. Yeah, the cyborg thing, uh, any connection to BVS, I would be all about that. So if it was, yeah, if it yeah. was a, another vision that connected to the vision from BVS, um, I think that would have been awesome. Um, it's probably not crucial to this movie, but it, it might have just filled out a larger arc from, like, BVS onward. But I, mean, I, I, could just, I can only imagine. Yeah. I, I, bet, I bet there's, like, a... You talk about the Snyder cut, like uh, what about like the DVD ultimate cut of this movie? I guarantee you it was like three. It would have been like three and a half hours long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh well. Um, but you're right. So uh, Hippolyta does say it's it, the mother box has slept for thousands of years since the first age. So yeah, for the Amazons, they kind of you know mark things in ages because of uh, their lifespan and stuff like that. So she's concerned that it awake has you know shown any signs of life is not a good sign, and now uh, it starts to actually go into active mode. It rattles around a bit, and then there's kind of that slice of light kind of cracking the covering over. And so I guess maybe because it was going to be activated anyway, or that once it slices through the covering allows it to open up the boom tube. I notice that this one turns yellow. Yeah, we'll have to mark that um, for the other ones if they all behave the same way, or if there's some differences. Yeah. You know what they remind me of when, when you see it kind of start to sort of breathe and move a little bit? It does make me think of the uh, the Energon uh, cube from Transformers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, It yeah. really does look like that. Yeah, it's it has a definite reminiscence of that. Now, what do you think about the vertical boom tube? So this is the first boom tube that we're seeing in the film. Uh, oh, yeah, that's a good effect. That's actually, I like that, where he, like, drops down. That's very uh, scary and threatening and menacing. Um that if you're going to do an alternative to having it be like a, you know, like a horizontal thing that you sort of walk out of, which looks cool. I, I like, you know, this is, this is pretty good. This is a good alternative. And at least they keep like it actually clearly a boom tube. There's yeah. no question. That's exactly what a boom tube looks like. They just changed the angle. That's uh, Hey, I'll take it. That's fine. Yep. I, I was also fine with it. Like on the comic page coming horizontally can have a nice effect. But with a motion image like a movie, dropping down is a little bit more oh, dynamic. No, I'm, I'm sure there's a way to make it look cool, but the uh, you know the way they picked it for this because you gotta you know the, we we always make that mistake. Uh, I was going through watching some Batman clips. We always make this mistake where we think this is like the last Justice League movie that's ever going to get made, or or like <laughs> the last movie with new gods in it. Like no man, like ten years from now there's going to be another. Daryl, and not even talk about Ava DuVernay or whatever. Mm-hmm. Eventually, there will be like a new gods movie where it's like a horizontal thing. You'll get to see it then. Some cool mm-hmm. VFX artist will make a cool version of it for that. Uh, and in this one, he, he drops down and it looks badass. And yeah, I'm happy. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, it seems like when it's horizontal, you have to kind of like stroll or walk through it. Uh, and it seems like when it's vertical, it's like dropping down. So that has more kinetic energy and stuff like that. Uh, also, to me, like coming from 
It's very violent. Yeah, it's more violent and coming from an upward direction to me indicates more of like space, even though it doesn't actually matter. Like there's space in any direction from Earth. But for some reason, it seems more clean to have somebody who's from another planet out there to like drop from the sky. The enemy's gate is down. Ender's game. (laughs) He drops on down and uh, we see him come down. We see him kind of do his villain landing on the the knee and the the foot perch. I like the shot from behind his foot. And I like the texturing of his, uh, like his armor and his clothing. Oh yeah. It looks really cool. Yeah. Um, and he's got his ax. So like right away, we're sort of seeing like, okay, he can come from there. The Amazons are very concerned about him. You know, what one thing nobody ever, we forget about, we take for granted is like the difference in his appearance from, uh, Batman versus Superman mm-hmm. to justice league. And, uh, I want to talk about that for a minute Mm -hmm. he uh you know in the comics uh when they go through the boom tube it's not just a method of transportation it also uh physically alters them Hmm. so the actual like planets new genesis and apocalypse are massive they're like they're like giant planets compared to the earth and and the beings that live on them are impossibly huge because they're gods Mm -hmm. and it's just like billions of light years away and anyways when they go through the uh, when they go through the boom tube, they kind of shrink down to Earth size. Or if like Superman goes through a boom tube to New Genesis, he's actually physically growing in size. Mm. So maybe in the three and a half hour mo- uh, Ultimate Snyder cut, you know, of this movie, you know, maybe there's some kind of maybe not an explanation, but maybe you see him on Apocalypse and he looks like a creepy lizard demon man. And then here, you know, on earth, he looks more like a human being or something like that. Something that would explain the change in appearance. Mm-hmm. But I mean, even without that explanation or implication, he does look pretty cool in this movie. So yeah, you know, I'll take it. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the whole trick with this movie is, uh, if you really get caught up on like what you wanted it to be or what it could have been, you can really yeah, get yeah, frustrated. Yeah. If you just let that go and look at what you have, uh, you can be, you can have some semblance of, of happiness or contentment. If you had <laughs> seen it in BVS and, and really had your heart set on something very close to that, um, just taking away the liquid geo or whatever. Uh, I'm not going to lie, though, that is pretty sad. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all, to me, it's kind of all about the perspective that you want to take on this. Um, now, I like the, I like the, in terms of just functionality of establishing him, though, um, we see how concerned the Amazons are. We know that there's this, you know, sense of, you know, ages ago, this threat kind of coming back. We see his helmet, we see his, uh, his armor and design, and we see his axe. So it's like a pretty functional way of bringing the villain into the movie. Yeah, like I said, uh, that's, uh, it's not like a lot of action. It's a good little action beat, and it's pretty violent. Yeah, it really kicks off the scene pretty well. Yeah. Now, I th- I thought that the Amazons should have already been loosing their arrows at him because, of, like, wasn't that the whole point of having them already drawn <laughs> is so that you could shoot them immediately and, like, catch the person before they've taken sizing up their surroundings? Like, not only do they know who Steppenwolf is, but I'm pretty sure don't have, they've all, like, literally seen him before, so they know exactly who they're dealing with. You're like, if a bunch of parademons came through, like, I'm actually watching it, and that just happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they immediately start loosing their arrows on the parademons. So, yeah, that actually answers that question. So, yeah, it, it makes sense to me that they're just like, oh, it's Steppenwolf. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, but, yeah, you know, so you just uh, – and that, that speaks to their discipline and their reflexes, that they don't just immediately open fire. I see. So you're saying the, credit. The, 
they just recognize if it's Steppenwolf, it's not worth it to shoot arrows. There's no point. And okay. then as soon as the parademons come through, then yeah, they're, they're ready to go. I gotcha. Yeah. Not bad. Not bad. Um, uh, you, you know, you know me, I'm always looking for like the underlying logic of these movies and you'd be surprised. Yeah. You know, quickly before we get to the parademons and stuff, um, he does say mother. And so there is going to be this interesting dynamic of him calling the mother box mother. And like, he has this relationship with it. Um, and he says, mother millennia in exile searching. Um, so they have a, a long relationship and he's, he's been separated from mother for a long time. Yeah. I have no idea what to make of that because, you know, in the comics, like a mother box is more like a tool. It's like a smartphone for the yeah, gods. Yeah. It's like a supercomputer. Uh, or something. Yeah. But here it's some kind of. It's literally the Energon Cube from Transformers. I'm sorry, like that's exactly what that was in that movie. So I, I just don't know. <laughs> it's upsetting to me. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think it's an interesting thing to play on for like Steppenwolf and and these dynamics. But I, yeah, by the end of the movie, I'm not sure what to have made of it. You know, so again, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, that's kind of a cool start with him referring to this mother, and I've been exiled from you, and I'm finally home. Like, that's an interesting way to talk about this planet home because he's not actually from here or anything. But then to me, it's like, oh, his home is like when he is with these mother boxes doing his calling, which is to like be conquering planets and stuff like that's his home is just to be doing that with his mother boxes. So for me, it was like an interesting setup. But then, yeah, by the end, I'm not exactly sure what I was supposed to have made of like the mother Steppenwolf relationship. Yeah, I'm sure that would have been in like, uh, you know, the longer cut or even... Even the intended sequel, like uh, we all agree, there was it wasn't just that this would have been longer, but there would have been like a Justice League two, right? Yeah, like, yeah, that, yeah, that was planned at one point. Yeah. So, all right, let's go ahead and let the let the Parademons loose. So we've seen Parademons in Gotham, and we saw you know a glimpse of them with Howard, um, but now we see Parademons, a bunch of them coming in and having a you know fight scene with the Amazons. This is kind of like a hectic fight scene with just you know a lot of blasts going on. The parademons have like laser gun kind of things. Um and the Amazons start getting into it. So it's kind of a frenzied action, but it's I think it's you know pretty well done where the, I like the colors um and we do see Steppenwolf in the midst of all of it. So even when there's kind of the chaos going around, Steppenwolf his presence is really felt. Yeah, he really stands out. And Hippolyta springs into action, so she says, gather the legions, and uh, she knows uh, this fight is probably not going to go well. Um, she tells Seal the cage, and they're going to try to go ahead and take it and run. Yeah, they're, they're, the Amazon defense didn't last very long. They're sort of like, yeah, we're going to defend this thing here in our temple. And as soon as the fight starts, like, oh, we better take it and run with it somewhere else. I mean, honestly, it, they remind me of like the 300 Spartans, mm. which is pretty cool in and of itself. Yeah, this uh, this bit here, once it gets going, um, Hippolyta lassos it, like you said, using the rope. Steppenwolf seems actually kind of thrilled to have the chase. Uh, and maybe, you know, he's he's maybe been missing this sort of thing for hundreds, thousands of years. So he might be like, yes, uh, this is going to be fun back like the old days. So that's kind of an interesting thing. And then we get to the uh, the sledgehammer wielding Amazons that you were talking about. Best scene in the movie. <laughs> I, I would put it up there. Yeah, I haven't I haven't exactly ranked my scenes, but this would be up there. The only critique I have for this scene, I think, like, overall, besides, like we were saying about how some of the stuff doesn't quite pay off, um, but I won't put that all in the, at the foot of this scene, Hippolyta's slide is not bad, except for there's a shot from the front where she's, like, sliding towards camera. And for me, that 
always looks a fake. If they would have not used that shot and just kind of used the like start of the slide and the end of the slide, it probably would have been okay. But oh, I don't know. The, I think it you looks right. Wonder Woman. The, well, it's just a, it's all about aesthetic. Uh, and in Wonder Woman, they're all doing stuff like that. You know, they're flying around, flipping around, jumping off of horses and landing on their feet, uh, and then shooting an arrow while they're still in motion. Like they're always doing stuff like that. So for me. If she didn't do something like that, it would be unusual. I'm okay with having her do the slide, but uh, the execution of the slide. Just the way it's shot. Yeah, it's really just one one shot from the front. Sure, to, I'll give you yeah, that. Yeah, to me, visually, like, made me kind of wince at the slide. I'm not, I'm not against the idea of the slide. Well, they're like, uh, I don't know if they're necessarily superhuman, but they're all like... Very they would win every Olympic event they would they ever entered. So if one of them did something like that, I mean, I'd believe it. Yeah, and so, you know, but yeah, I see. I know exactly what you mean. I was just watching it, and uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, I, you're right though. It does fit the the style of fight, and this scene overall to me does match with Wonder Woman with the horseback and the fluid motion and that sort of. And thing. that that's the that's the really interesting thing about this universe they've created. I think people want to put it in a box and say that. With Zack Snyder's uh, sort of choice of tone with Man of Steel and then all the other movies kind of have to follow that, it makes you want to say that there's only one kind of movie, one kind of story that can be told in this universe. And I think uh, this shows that that's not true because this is the same world. These like crazy, super acrobatic, horse jumping, lasso throwing Amazons live in the same world as like the U.S. Army Rangers from Man of Steel with like their helicopters and uh, warthog jets in uh, that scene. Like, uh, you know, so they're doing like normal human things that also look cool. And then in this movie and in Wonder Woman, there's the Amazons doing cool stuff from the movie 300. Mm. And it's all in the same world. Mm-hmm. I like that. I, I like a nice big open space. That's what the DC Comics universe is. That's what it can sustain. It's fun to see examples of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think good point. And for me, the the slide is made up for by like all the rest of the action in the scene. And uh, yeah, Steppenwolf is about to cut his way, like you know. So they sealed the temple, and now he's going to cut his way through. So it's a way to see his axe and his helmet because he he like ducks his head it's a down cool, uh, and like yeah he yeah. like like an animal would with horns, you know, like busting his way through the wall. Um, so I liked that one. So it won me back very quickly. And then some of the stuff that's going to happen, my favorite part of the action is out here when they get out into the open area and the grass and the sky. And then that, where there's a little bit more room to see the action, uh, it gets even better. I I love the effect, um, of his ax cutting through the extremely thick stone slab. So that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. But it makes me, uh, it makes me think episode one, you know, the, lightsaber going yeah. through the blast shield yep, but I here it's uh, it's so quick and it just like vaporizes the rock it's like an anime or something mm-hmm. yeah my favorite shot of the scene is right after that so steppenwolf comes through and then he leaps into the air after the amazons on horseback hulk jump yeah and then but as he's coming down he like pulls the axe above his head and then in, yeah. in one motion like slams the axe down like the way that they did that was just to me like perfect fluidity of the physical motion and feeling the power of it like when he hits the ground even the way he like you see the whole uh the entire motion he just kind of walks out of it (laughs) it's great yeah yeah you're right they they really let us see it by staying on the same shot of him coming all the way down and following through so they're like you know they weren't trying to hide it with different cuts and stuff they're like no we're gonna let you soak this in watch watch this and 
like I said, the way he brings the axe down, uh, it's all really cool. I just like seeing that every time it happens. Um, now he's going to be taking on some of the horseback stuff, so um, pretty brutally takes an Amazon off, <laughs> just shoulder blasts a horse. They all know they're going to die. There's not a single woman here who, like, takes a shot at him and is like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be the one that kills Steppenwolf. Like, they're all like, he's going to fucking kill me, but we got to hold him off long enough to get him away from that mother box. And uh, that's uh, that's what I was talking about earlier. I mean, that's what's this is so cool. Yeah, they are very selfless, um, brave as they're doing it. Um, it's also cool dynamics here with the parademons flying. Like, you've got the horsebacks, you've got the parademons, and you've got Steppenwolf. So it's, like, really good physical elements all mixed together. Yeah, they and, and uh, visually they keep the motion uh, throughout the whole scene. It's, yeah, it's a lot uh, of momentum. Yeah, it's, it's actually a pretty good scene, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And uh, the mother box rolls and sheds its covering, so now we can see the actual mother box, which... Looks familiar to BVS fans because we saw that in the uh, or a similar one in the cyborg email scene. So uh, red, blue, and yellow are the primary colors. What do you make of that? Hmm. Logical choices, I guess. <laughs> yeah. All the other colors come from those colors. That seems like a very comic booky thing. Yeah. You know. Yep. Another cool sequence here with another lasso move. Uh, so this is the uh, the Amazon where. We see her, you mentioned the selfless acts. This is probably the, the pinnacle selfless act. Like she gets oh, yeah. off her horse. She lassos it just to buy a few more seconds of time. She's willing to do this. Um, she sees Steppenwolf coming for her. And she still just says, okay, well, I need to try to just move this mother box forward if I can. Um, it's just very heroic. Yeah, I, I like how they handle the death scene too because she makes her sacrifice and then they have her death be kind of like just off screen. So that's also kind of a dignified way to honor her as a hero, I think. Uh, and that's uh, Vanelia, I believe is the name if I if I had the right actress for that one. Yeah, I always like watching that part because she's just, uh, you know, she uh, knows what she's doing and she's like, I, I gotta be, it's all about being that link in the chain. It's like the, it's like the movie Rogue One. Makes me think of that. Hmm. So they get it forward a little bit more uh, that has the fluidity again of, you know, jumping from horse to horse, uh, sliding and shooting the arrows. Like they're definitely very uh, coordinated and able to multitask. Um, so that's pretty cool. But we kind of can see the writing on the wall. Like they're, they're how far are they really going to make it? And uh, Steppenwolf does another one of his jumps and just comes right in and kind of takes care of business. So valiant effort, but Steppenwolf is a little bit above their pay grade. So we've seen some death um, handled kind of elegantly, but now we get a little bit more of a personal touch to it with Hippolyta going to the side of one of her Amazons. And now Steppenwolf is kind of like, okay, I've I've got the mother box. Uh, you can't really handle me. And uh, he gets a little bit more dialogue here. He says, uh, after the unity, you will join my legion. So it's interesting. You know, he's basically saying like, right now I'm taking the mother box, but I have this bigger plan where you're all going to be minions underneath me. Um, eventually and then he says a line i always am on the lookout for these kinds of lines because i'm trying to track themes that's one of like the things i enjoy about movies and he says you will know the righteousness of power so i'm sort of like okay they're definitely in act one we have just met steppenwolf and now he says you will know the righteousness of power so steppenwolf is staking a claim where like he is on the side of power he's sort of saying like if you have the power to be victorious then that puts you on that state and everybody else needs to recognize that and bow to it, that sort of thing. 
Now, I'm not sure. I mean, that I guess that does connect a little bit to some other themes. Like, to me, the one that's stronger through the movie is the theme of fear. Like, the parademons operate on fear, and Steppenwolf basically says, like, I'm, I'm big and strong, and I'm going to rule over you because you basically have to fear me. I do think that the movie is pretty coherent in terms of contrasting fear with, like, inspiration. Uh, people that kind of inspire each other to join in a cause or to help out that inspiration ends up being stronger than trying to motivate people by fear but i think it's a little bit murky with this line of of uh, power because righteousness of power i don't know if that idea was exactly like played out through the rest of the movie yeah right yeah that's one of my questions with steppenwolf is like who is he and what are his motivations (laughs) and they don't really go into that in this movie. That line gives a, a like a glimpse into those things, but I'll yeah. That. So I agree with you, um, but I would use a different word. Like his motivation is to you know conquer Earth. So in that sense, it's a, cle- well, a clear I mean, motivation. Like, why does he want to conquer? Exactly. Earth? Like it's like thematically, what's the depth? Like what's the deeper level behind it? What makes him tick? Like that sort of thing. Zod was such a good character. I was, re- and I like yeah. Lex Luthor too. So I was really hoping to to get something like that from a New Gods character, and it's an unfortunate that uh, we probably yeah. lost that somewhere. Or in terms of the the Dawn of Justice trilogy, um, it was really going in two for two on villains, and yeah, Steppenwolf. Like if Steppenwolf would have had the deeper level of like what's what's his tension inside of himself or that sort of thing or philosophically what position does he represent and then how can we explore that in an interesting way that would also put him up on like the level of azad or lex but he does not go to that level you know lines like this the righteousness of power is like okay if you can really thread that through the rest of the movie the, the characters the plots contrast it with the heroes something like that it doesn't really work though because like superman at the end of the movie Superman is just by far the most powerful. So that doesn't really contrast with Steppenwolf. It actually just like one ups him, you know? Yeah. I mean, it basically, well, it is and, the righteousness of power uh, at the end. It's just Superman's power. <laughs> well, that's, that's one of those things where it's clear that, you know, then justice league two would have been dark side. And then, Whoa, you know what I mean? Uh, like, uh, you know, everything would have escalated. But then, of course, the Green Lantern would have shown up, so that's its own. Like he's he's honestly like another Superman. So, you know, like uh, it would have been pretty cool, and I would, I would have been, I would have loved to see what that arc was. But I, yeah. this is clearly part of that arc. Yeah. Now, something I like in the scene is Hippolyta still not giving up, and she tries to shoot an arrow at him. And I really like how they filmed it with him just flicking the arrow away, like out of, <laughs> yeah. out of the corner of his eye. He just flicks it away. Bink. yeah um so i like that part of it um but then he says you will love me you will all love me i think or you all will and that one to me is even less connected to the rest of the movie like the uh righteousness of power i can kind of stretch and connect it to some other stuff in the movie um but you will love me you all will i'm not sure what to make of that because i don't feel that later in the movie that steppenwolf is like hoping to have everybody love him like i don't i don't really see that played out in other parts of the movie oh i mean i i I just take it as him kind of making a point about the kind of power we're talking about like uh like you you won't even have the option to to like resent me Hmm. like that's how much control i'll have over you 
which is pretty scary. That's. But it, it doesn't seem like he really wants to rule the Earth in that sort of way. I take it as he wants to conquer Earth and that his driving force and what he uses as a tool is fear. Like, I don't really see how love fits in with him, except for here he just, like, says you're going to love me. I don't, like, I agree, like, I could see a sense in which that could work, but uh, I don't think it follows through in the rest of the, the rest of his arc. Like, do you remember anything else later where he talks about expecting or wanting people to love him or anything like that to me the fear thing like if he would have said something about fear that would have been more like thematically coherent i think no i um actually i think i think alessandro has a note here about the parademons and and like ultimately those amazons and everyone else on the planet would be turned into parademons uh-huh uh so you know maybe it's a reference to that that's kind of what i'm thinking like Okay. Like in the end, once they've all been unified or whatever, yeah, like they they just forget slavery. Like yeah, yeah. Okay, so that I think could have definitely worked. I think they should have made that explicit somewhere oh, yeah, in the movie because they do show in the history lesson that the parademons and Steppenwolf are turning people into parademons. Exactly. But they don't do that in the like present, like we, these Amazons who are just getting killed, they don't turn into parademons or we don't see them turn into parademons. Yeah. So maybe that's what he needs a mother box for. Maybe that could have been a role for the Russian family. The Russian family could have turned into parademons and then like worship. Well, it wasn't the, and... so we all kind of concur that like the, the Russian family was added later uh, in the development of the movie. They were definitely added later. I'm saying I'm kind of saying facetiously that they didn't really serve a purpose except for they were trying to harmonize. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I'm See saying they could have given them a better purpose if they would have turned somebody in that family into a parademon and then the parademon like joins Steppenwolf or something. Then I could see that being connected here. Or they could have just said it here like you will join my horde and you will all love me or something where you kind of say like the reason you're all going to love me is cuz I'm actually going to turn you all into my min- minions or my parademons. Yeah, I would have loved to see that version of this movie. Yep, yep, yep. Well, let's see what we do have here from this movie. Um, There's actually reinforcements coming. So there's a lot more Amazons on this island than I probably would have estimated. Yeah, like maybe even thousands. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, because this is also just the warriors. You know, there's also the politicians and the, you know, the educators and you know people that have other kinds of responsibilities on the island so i think there is i'm sure they would have like all been on standby if they because remember if they were oh, if they start out with the scene they're watching the uh yeah i mean if, if they're all watching the box then yeah you know all the other amazons would know so yeah you know somebody sounds the bell or sets a flare or something and, and everybody else on the island gets ready while while these guys start you know provide the first wave of defense that's pretty cool. I, I could totally see something like that with uh, with these Amazons. Yeah. So the last little part of the scene here is, uh, you know, Steppenwolf booms away. Uh, and I like his kind of posture and position as he, like, you know, leaves in the boom tube. So I I do like Steppenwolf from this first scene. But I like like we said, I don't think he rises to the level of Assad or Lex or that kind of thing. No. Um, but he le- he leaves, and then uh, you know we get Hippolyta and uh, Manilope talking about you know what they're gonna do. I like Enchantress better than I like Steppenwolf. <laughs> oh, that that would be a debate <laughs> we would have to have. Uh, I'd have to think through that one. Um, I mean, I at least understand what she wants. She wants worshippers. I get that. 
just like Ares, like, which is a cool recurring motif in these movies. But, but you know, Steppenwolf just wants parademons just because I don't know. It's so kind of the I'll, same thing. I'll but. give you, I'll give you that point. But then my counterpoint would be, uh, I like watching Steppenwolf a lot better than I like watching Enchantress for the the dancing kind of like glamorous Enchantress. Nah, the I smoke, like that. The cool, smoky Enchantress. Stuff. I like I like Smoky Witch Enchantress. <laughs> yeah. I never have gotten on board with the uh, the hips swaying. Nah, like... I like her weird little dances because <laughs> she she had like aspects. That's a cool. That's a pretty cool god that has like god character that has aspects. Um, <laughs> and because uh, she literally like the when she's like the weird Smoky Witch Enchantress, she has kind of like a what is it like a crescent moon. And then when she's, she is also full moon enchantress or she's like dancing and stuff and she looks different. Mm-hmm. I like that. I, uh, that's, that's actually kind of its own depth, uh, illustrating, you know, who she is and where she comes from. Uh, whereas Steppenwolf is just like a, a very tall crab man <laughs> with, uh, an ax head. Well, this, uh, I mean, yeah. this is, yeah, this <laughs> is, uh, why we wanted to bring you on the team. Cause we, we need to not be too tough on suicide squad and you can help us yeah, try yeah, to look yeah. for the good stuff in suicide squad. And I, I like things about suicide squad, but I would say like Steppenwolf's ax move that we just had, I would say that is better than any of the physical stuff, fight stuff that Enchantress had. So, uh, and that's just the first scene. Well, of it's just, it's just what you said earlier. You can't ignore the the trees for the forest. I mean, there's some cool stuff, even in justice league is, yeah, the kind of movie that it is. It's uh there's still a lot of really good stuff in this movie, like this scene. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, you can't throw the baby away with the bathwater. So the last little bit here, um, Hippolyta, you know, says that they, uh, we're going to shoot the signal flame. It hasn't been lit for 5,000 years. I think they said, so again, we're, you know, we're operating in millennia here when we have to think about the Amazons. Um, and Manilope says, you know, the man, men won't know what that signal fire means, you know, and, uh, but Hippolyta says, oh, she will. Uh, so a nice little way to connect to Diana. Uh, and I think some kind of nice writing there too, to allude to it without saying it too explicitly. And then we get the, the shot of lighting the, the flaming arrow and, uh, then releasing that and Hippolyta kind of thinking about her daughter, you know, who has been gone and in a different world for quite a long time or at least long time for human years kind of a cool greek olympic vibe going on is that like an iron arrow she's shooting I f- yeah i figured it probably is um i can't make it out exactly it's kind of dark but it looks that's pretty really badass. cool when it's flying through this the uh, clouds they got a really good shot on that oh well we were talking um i mean you know before the show we were talking about geography mm-hmm. uh and if she's shooting uh her arrow to the Isle of Crete, mm-hmm. then uh, I argue that that puts her in the Aegean Sea. You guys were talking about this in the Wonder Woman show. Yeah, we got we got in the you know the zone of the Mediterranean because of Turkey and because of Greece and stuff. Um, but I think you're right. Getting more precise, it probably is there, like in between Turkey and Greece in that Aegean Sea. It's the when you see. Uh, I was just I was checking it out earlier. I pulled up Wonder Woman and the scene where we see outside of the bubble. Uh, the Germans searching for Steve Trevor. Uh, there's rocks and um, sort of little small islands and islets everywhere um, in the ocean around Themyscira. 
So if you look at the map, the only thing like that in the Mediterranean Sea is the Aegean Sea. Mm-hmm. And there's all these little islands. And that's that's between Turkey and Greece. So mm-hmm. if uh, Steve Trevor's in Turkey stealing the plans and he wants to escape, uh, why wouldn't he fly to uh, allied friendly Greece right. just across the Aegean, which puts the – that's where – you know, so that's where I'm getting uh, Themyscira must be in the Aegean, especially if – you can shoot an arrow right. from Themyscira to Crete, which yep. is at the south of the Aegean. So, boom. Yep. Nailed it. I think you're right. Yep. <laughs> yep. I think we got it. It does mean in Wonder Woman that was a long boat ride to London, but that's, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's the only, yeah, that's what we were trying to figure out. Like, but how that's did okay. they. Uh... That, could be explain- <laughs> that could be explained away in a variety of, you know, editing. I mean, like maybe it did take a week. Was it was there dialogue about that in the movie? Well, you know, it's kind of like they're going to sleep for the night, and then we see them in the morning at, in London. But they never say it was the next morning. We just know it was a night and then a morning. So there could have been multiple days in between there. So that's one how explanation. Long does, uh, how long does Edda say that Steve's been missing for? Uh, I can't remember, but. Yeah, I'm. I'm not too concerned about it because I think your reasoning is good for placing the mascara. And there's lots of ways to give apologetics well, just, for getting I, to I'm London. A, I'm a big uh, continuity nerd. And I, I'm not, I don't dock points. Like, like if it doesn't make any sense for them to get there by boat, then it doesn't make any sense. Or maybe there they, is magic. They but can you, get there by boat. So that, you know, it's yeah, exactly. They, it's, they it's literally can. But yeah. like, God, it, might, it would have been like, I, I, like at least a week. I don't know. I'm not a mariner. And they just had a boat like they didn't. But my point is. It's fun to dig and uh, try to solve these riddles because sometimes there's actually like an answer that mm-hmm. somebody thought about, and that's why the movie looks the way it does. Yeah. So sometimes you find a cool answer. So I, I'm always asking questions like that. Yeah, um, I do like the imagery here too. I was talking earlier about how this is passing the torch from the age of the old heroes, the Amazons, Atlanteans, and the old humans, to the new age of heroes. And this is literally passing a torch to signal like, hey, it's out of our hands now. It's up to you, you know. Yeah, the, the whole scene is like a mini Olympics. Like the, everything that they do could be its own Olympic event. And then at the end, like, you know, lighting, literally like lighting the arrow and then shooting hmm. that. Uh, yeah, the Olympic, version torch, of the yeah. Olympic torch. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Well, that's our analysis of scene 10 of Justice League. Uh, Next up, we will follow that thread right to Diana and see what she's up to. We want to thank all of you for listening to the show. Um, If you want bonus content, uh, including from myself and Nick talking about Batman for Batman Day, um, you can find us on patreon.com slash podcast. We also have um, another giveaway that we're going to do at some point, so all of our patrons will be automatically entered into all of our giveaways. So find some extra content, some extra opportunities there, and thanks again for listening.